0: legal geek fans the legal geeks are back with a brand new podcast to talk about one of the many exciting shows that netflix is bringing out this fall but also i think the newest release at least for the moment from the marvel universe we are here to talk about luke cage hey josh how are you
1: i am outstanding how are you
0: I am great. I am very much enjoying the newest addition to the Marvel Universe, and I will say right up front, I think you have gotten farther through the first uh, season than I have, so I will say that because of uh, internet issues and children, I haven't been able to watch as many episodes as I would like, so Josh is going to try not to spoil too much for me, but Josh, how far have you gotten?
1: So, uh, I have watched all of it. Ooh, and a couple of them twice.
0: Wow.
1: So I, I was dog sitting, so it was th- the time was there. You and, and the
0: dog watched together.
1: It was it was a slow week, it was a good week, and that Friday was spent uh, Friday night, Saturday night watching Luke Cage. And I got to say, uh, really enjoyed it and watching it there were lots of legal issues jumping out left and right (laughs) and let's talk about them because all right we'll get into the awesomeness of everything else that we like after going through the issues and uh, the first three episodes and a little with the four three to
0: four Josh can spoil a little bit for me. Generally, I'm very forgetful. So I'll forget by tomorrow when I get a chance to watch more what Josh already spoiled. So yeah. So we'll kind of dress in this podcast, some of the legal issues that have popped up early on. So fans, if you saw something that happened later in the season, you know, send us a note on Twitter or send us a note on our, uh, our Facebook page or on our, our blog page, let us know you want us to talk about something and we'll try to do another one of these after I've made, my way through the rest of the season how does that sound
1: sweet christmas it sounds great
0: (laughs) all right well josh go ahead why don't you start off with something you saw
1: so one of the things that jumped out at me came from the preview where we see the henchman throw a punch at luke cage and luke is just standing there in Genghis connie's and as the fist connects to Luke's face you see the hand break more like all the bones in his fist shatter and then a compound break of his arm below the wrist which would totally suck it hurt watching it and I wasn't there I knew it was fictional and yet it still made me go ow that looks painful
0: yeah, that was pretty hardcore, but that was a very good inter- introduction to the indestructible nature of Luke Cage.
1: So, the first issue that jumps out is did did Luke have a duty to warn all of the thugs from copperheads who was Doing a shakedown of protection money for the city council woman 's corrupt organization, which would be racketeering on so many levels it 's not funny, uh, but we 'll talk about that one later because yes, that is racketeering in its purest form, with a mix of nepotism, <laughs> But did he have a duty of warn?
0: Because we should point out that sometimes, for example, property owners have a duty to warn of certain latent defects. Um, You even have a duty to protect sometimes, like with children and an attractive nuisance, for example. So basically, they do put an obligation on people to sometimes let people know, hey, be careful. If you come on here, if you walk through this property, if you do something else, you could get hurt. So the question is, does Luke owe that sort of duty to the people he gets into fights with?
1: And I'm going to go no, because he didn't start the fight. He was just standing there. He also made the comment of he couldn't fight them the way he wanted to because he would kill them. And they all laughed at him. And one level, that was kind of a warning, but it wasn't an explicit warning of, dude, I'm super strong and unbreakable. Go for it. Watch what will happen. So this is Assault. You don't need to warn people, oh, you're hitting me. You're hitting me hard. I'm going to snap you into two pieces. That's not the way self-defense works. Now, it would be different if if there were, like, guns involved, and that could vary state to state. Some states you don't have to retreat. Some states you do have to retreat. And in this case, Luke went in to defend Connie and her husband from getting a shakedown from henchmen. So that was a defense of others. He's going, hey, oh, okay, leave them alone. And being the upright citizen of like, you knock that crap off, you leave them alone. And what do they do? They decide to beat up Luke. And that backfires for them. So just on that principle, that should end it. But just for giggles, let's jump into a little bit more of what else could apply here. Well, wait,
0: let me say first, I was going to agree with you too, that I do think the fact that he didn't hit first – could arguably make a difference there. And that was I thought at first you weren't going to mention that at all, but I agree. If he's hitting people first, he does have a duty. Of course, he's already going to have issues if he initiates an assault, um, unless he has some justifiable defense of others where he has to initiate an assault to protect somebody. Um, But without that, he's already in trouble for initiating an assault. But yes, then I would think he has a duty to warn others, I'm going to hit you, and if you hit me back, you are going to be hurt. There, there may be an argument, but okay. I just want to point out that I think that distinction does matter in the Marvel universe. And if I'm a judge, that distinction would matter.
1: Exactly. Which then brings me up to golfers, because and everything does come back
0: to Caddyshack with us. <gasps> okay, that's awesome. I was like, golf. Who cares about golf? But once you mentioned Caddyshack, I was all in. The golfers. Anyway, so <laughs>
1: golfers have no duty to warn other golfers on a the fairway they are going to hit a ball unless they, uh, those individuals are in, t- in the intended uh, line of flight, and that's a New York case from 1990. Golfers also do not have a duty to warn those driving by a golf car, uh, golf course in a car that they are going to hit a ball because, let's face it, that get funky, that get weird, and like that's just not how things work.
0: Four, I should have yelled two. Wait, come on, that's right. Thank you, Rodney. Yes. <laughs> it's all about <laughs> night time. All about night, That's right. Oh, I'm a- Yes, okay, and well, I'll let you finish, because why is that? Why don't you have that duty to warn? So
1: then let's, let's take another example of, uh, there's a case from the, I think it was the early 70s in New York, no, I was wrong, 76, so that would be the mid-70s, in which uh, a supplier sold cement, and when the cement was mixed with water, because that's how you mix cement, uh, there was no warning that it could cause third-degree burns on skin. And because mm. of that, and that it wasn't obvious, because you don't expect wet cement to cause third-degree burns, No, that, that supplier was found to be liable that there was a duty to warn there. Luke is more like a golfer. And I, I do believe he would have a mean swing on the golf course. That, that probably would be very entertaining to have everyone who's oh. in the Defenders do a celebrity golf game. But that's not important right now. What is is the idea that he's just driving along. He doesn't, he's not going to start a fight, but if somebody throws a punch at him and he didn't outright provoke them, I don't think he has a duty to warn that you're going to shatter your hand, crazy man. Go ahead. See what happens. And Which is why I think he doesn't have a duty to warn, generally
0: speaking. Well, it's kind of funny, actually, because he's the opposite of the eggshell plaintiff. You know, we learn a lot about that in tort law um, in law school, where the idea is you take the plaintiff as you find them. So if you have the bad luck of getting into a fight with or, you know, causing an accident with somebody who's extra susceptible to injuries and ends up much more injured than maybe the kind of average person would be, that's tough. You take the plaintiff as you find him. So you see the idea, of course, is the extra delicate plaintiff. Now, on the flip side, I guess, with Luke, if you were to hit him with a car by accident or do something else to him, he'd have a hard time suing you because he wouldn't have any damages if he wasn't injured at all. So that would be kind of the opposite of the eggshell plaintiff, the indestructible plaintiff. He has no harm. He cannot sue.
1: Unless it's fine clothing getting destroyed and then you're in small claims court. Because <laughs>
0: That's right. I'll replace a red T-shirt. <laughs> this,
1: this was an awesome suit.
0: These <laughs> shoes were really
1: expensive. Well, your damages are, let's just say, optimistically, that you shop at Nordstrom's and you get really good stuff, say like a $900. Yeah.
0: That's still small claims court. That's right. You're not getting the day in full-on court for that.
1: No. A couple other things that I noticed, there was the issue of using federal funds by this councilwoman to fix the nightclub. Yes. there are so many things wrong with that.
0: It's well, again, honest. like you mentioned before, the racket sharing, I mean, the using of the Crispus uh, uh, Atticus, Atticus, now I'm blank, blanking.
1: And, and it, I believe it was annex, but I could be wrong. Anyway,
0: uh, I'm totally blanking, and I'm sorry for that. Um, but anyway, but uh, the use of, I mean, she's commingling and she's using, like, government projects to hide criminal activity and criminal funds. I mean, this is what rico was made for obviously you know i see rico allegations made in lots of complaints um but this is a case where yeah the racketeering kind of aspects and the conspiracies the civil conspiracies to defraud everybody but especially the government would be huge which is obviously why she's a very paranoid council member and wants her cousin cottonmouth to lock stuff down so she doesn't have to worry about getting caught
1: exactly We then see at the end of episode one, we have a gun deal that goes very bad. And everything involved in that gun deal is wrong because Mm -hmm. we have gun laws that specifically prohibit having a high-end gun deal in the back of vans with guns from HammerTech, which were the, the Justin Hammer. Oh, golly. I hope I just didn't say the wrong name. Uh, That that hammer from Iron Man 2, who was the corporate villain villain in Iron Man 2, uh, who was trying to make the competing armors to Tony Stark. So that's bad that that tech is out on the streets and being sold illegally out of the backs of vans. And then you have the inside hit, to kill everybody, it goes wrong and they kill everyone, and steal the guns. Yeah, that, multiple felonies there. So you have layers. Bad, you have bad guys committing one felony already, and then you have another felony coming in and murdering all of them to steal lots of money and go about their business. And then horrible things keep happening after that. So you have two different criminal conspiracies simultaneously.
0: Well, and even also that ties into the money money laundering, right? I mean, isn't that basically what um, Alfred Woodard Cottonmouth's cousin is saying? Is basically you need to get that money back from the gun deal so that I can put that back to replenish my funds that you had taken out. I mean, it does sound like they're engaged in some sort of money laundering scheme where she runs his dirty money through her, uh, operations somehow.
1: Exactly. So those are just a handful of the issues that are there in plain sight. We then, uh, let's jump to issue episode two, where we do have a cotton mouth beat a man to death with his bare hands. who that was brutal. It was super brutal and traumatic. And but that, that'd be murder. That would be murder. Yes. Um, Lots of bad things happened there. Anything else that you notice from episode two?
0: Well, he committed murder again at the end. Although that was a much more sympathetic murder because he killed the guy who killed Pops. Right. So you're like, all right, that one actually, Cottonmouth almost comes off looking like the good guy in that one. So, again, that is not a justified homicide. You don't get to do that. That is, you know. He was mad at him for committing murder, because apparently Cottonmouth does have a line. Um, But obviously, you don't get to murder somebody because you're mad at them for murdering someone else.
1: Yeah, the one rogue criminal that caused everything to go downhill, because probably everyone could have continued to peacefully coexist with the crime that was taking place. Right. Which is still traumatic when you think about it, that most, you, if you had villains like Cottonmouth in real life, they want business to actually be going. Yeah. Because that nightclub has to be making good money. And as I was watching the series, I kept thinking, I wish you were just a businessman. I wish yeah. you were doing crime on top of this because this actually doesn't seem that bad. But you're killing people. And I you're selling guns and all this other bad, bad stuff that are felonies. And it's like, dude, you could have a successful nightclub and just be happy. Yeah. But no.
0: You want more. Um, the other thing too, I guess, that was in season or episode two, and I hate to say anything bad about Pops because I loved him, but Pops technically would have been violating laws when he was harboring a fugitive and obstructing justice by hiding Chico and not turning Chico over to the police.
1: Yeah, pops, and obstruction of justice. There's a murky line with pops because he's a very likable character. He, he's one of those transcendent characters. That's the soul that yes. gives the hero, you know, the kickoff for the hero's journey. Yes, and he's extremely important um, and just just likable. The actor who played him did a fantastic job of making a very likable person who had a rough past, who was a enforcer and did bad things. That's right. And regretted it and was trying to get kids off the streets, uh, playing video games, running errands, giving them jobs. The fact that everyone wore schmock that was the uniform in the barber shop, so they would have a sense of self-respect. It's like... That makes sense. There are a lot of organizations and youth programs that do that, from after-school sports to scouting. All of that makes sense from a developmental level for human beings that Pops was doing right. And he was willing to, to bend the rules, less so than any superhero does in vigilantism, to keep people from messing up their lives.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, and he's one of those, and Hollywood does this a lot, and I think we're all kind of okay with it. People who bend and break some rules because we know that they're a good guy and they have a good reason for why they're breaking the rules kind of thing. So, um, But be that as it may, there are still the laws. But, yes, I did love Pops and was sad that he had to pay the ultimate sacrifice for the hero to learn that he's got to stop hiding. and He's got to fight the bad guys.
1: Exactly, which brings us to the wonderful issues of Vigilanteism
0: oh, yes. that,
1: that pick up in issue, episode three, where we have Misty trying to get Chico to testify. We have Luke hitting safe houses and leaving the cash.
0: Yeah, that whole thing was awesome, though. It was extreme Vigilanteism, but it was awesome to watch. Yeah, and I don't remember
1: again it's been been over a week since I, I watched this and this was one that was either really early in the morning or really late at night huh. uh, but i don't think luke actually killed anyone
0: no and
1: i think that cuz they they mention that cuz he'd never
0: right you
1: never see him do anything it's just bullets bouncing off and he might smack guys around
0: he'll throw guys around yeah and i mean again my question is you know could a bullet ricochet off of him and hit and kill somebody but no i think they've always made it very clear in fact all he ever does is he'll break down the guns he'll bend them so they can't be used again but otherwise no i haven't so far i have not seen him kill anyone
1: and he doesn't.
0: <laughs> so I, say, I thought I'd read that. That is kind of like his thing, is supposed to be like Batman, right? Where he's not going to kill anyone. So that's good.
1: Nor swear. So he's a very that's right. Uh, we'll talk about the comic differences, you know, in there as well. But yeah, it's he's a very cool superhero that doesn't lose his mind. Doesn't have like the angst that a bunch of other characters have. Yeah. So, other things that I noticed from uh, episode three we do have the city councilwoman who is trying to create low income housing, and that generally is a good thing. Uh, we learned that Mama Maybell did blackmail uh, politicians into building a jungle gym. We learned that Misty's partner was very cool with vigilanteism until we learned that he was dirty. Yeah, that
0: was a shame because I was really liking him, and I was hoping that he was just the cynical cop. I'm like, odds are he's going to be the bad cop, but that was a little bit of a disappointment that they went to bad cop instead of just kind of cynical but actually good guy.
1: Uh, Misty, I believe it was Misty who made a comment, I really need that trademark, and my reaction to, to her saying that was more like copyright, but that, that's another. That's right. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I would be your lawyer. So if you need that help, Uh, let's see now. We also then have the detective giving Cottonmouth uh, Luke's address, which we then end with a rocket attack. Now, the... ATF would be all over that. The FBI would be all over that. Yeah,
0: you would think there'd be Department of Homeland Security. They would assume some sort of terror thing. Because that was, I was pretty shocked when he showed up with that. I was like, okay, this has just now been taken to an entirely new level.
1: Yeah, it's, it's hammer tech. Yeah. So, so if he was able to get those goodies, all of a sudden, well, let's just break out these bad boys and do a rocket attack on the guy who's bulletproof. Holy so. cow. And the, the thing that I thought was a little creepy were, were the fact that the partners always knew the GPS location of the other partner because of their cell phone. That, I don't know if people do that, but just for the record, Jess and I aren't tracking each other.
0: Good Lord, no. No one's tracking me. I turn my GPS off. I'm paranoid.
1: That would be really weird and creepy. So...
0: That would be weird and creepy, and I wasn't clear if it was both partners or just the bad cop had done that as part of his keeping tabs on Misty to be sure that, you know, she never surprised him. I'm not clear that she would have a GPS tracker on him.
1: I, I think it was both because of the way he referenced it, because they were partners and that way they would know what's going on. But you think that would have given Misty, who was a really good detective, she would have done a little homework herself yeah, to figure out her partner was dirty.
0: Yeah. Huh. I guess they could even just use the Find My Friends app on an iPhone, right?
1: They could do that, but I still think that would be weird. That would be super yes, weird. I agree. So we won't get into everything from Episode 4. Well,
0: but- wait, before we leave Episode 3, the other thing, too, that I was going to notice is just that um, when Luke was talking to the chess player from the uh, Pops Barbershop, who also happened to be the account, I guess, for Pops. And basically they set up some way once Lou took one duffel bag full of cash uh, from Crispus to kind of help out with this. They figured out there was some way they could have the accountant just keep paying, I guess, mortgage payments, insurance payments, tax payments. I'm not quite sure what. But basically the idea was is they don't really need to know if Pops is dead. If the monthly payments keep going on, that will be fine. So I was like, okay, this is clearly like – again good intentions not trying to do anything bad but i'm like this would be fraud on several levels right certainly insurance fraud some sort of tax fraud um all of that if you try to keep people's i mean in theory too pops is getting social security because he's older so what are they doing you know i'm sure they wouldn't cash those social security checks but there are kind of levels of fraud when you're not willing to admit like okay pops is dead and we need proper probate here on his assets
1: yeah it's a Almost a form of identity theft yeah. because of what's yeah. taking place per the code in New York. So, very funky for them yes. to be doing that. Again,
0: I can appreciate wanting to keep the barbershop there, but I'm like, ugh. Oh. Again, it's just like the IRS brought down Al Capone. You know, you got to be careful. You can't mess with that stuff.
1: It highlights the importance of have a will. Wills right. are wills are a great thing to have and you think pops who was really good and and planned ahead would have had some provision for that but but no but no so let's let's get into a deeper level of geekdom and talk about other things from from the, the overall impressions suggest so what did you like about luke cage
0: Luke Cage. Um, He is awesome. Although actually, I mean, everyone is awesome. All the characters are fantastic. Cottonmouth. I loved him as Remy on House of Cards, so I was already sold on him. But to see him playing so evil, he is fantastic at that. But again, like his genuine sorrow over Pops. You're like, okay, I, you know, I believe that he has these weird lines. It's kind of like Tony Soprano where he's, yes, a bad, bad, bad guy, but Can have those moments um the women are awesome i love alfrey woodard as a you know bad corrupt politician who has no fear of her cousin like that's kind of awesome i'd be very nervous of the cousin with all the guns and everything and she is like no, you are not scaring me so um and detective misty is fantastic so yeah i'm just a big fan of all the characters and i haven't even gotten to rosario dawson yet and i always love her so how about you
1: Parts of it felt like the comics coming to life, yeah, I thought they really did a great job with Misty in portraying her character, and the comics she does have a bionic arm because she Ooh. does lose the right arm, and you I was left wondering if they would go down that road in the season maybe series. that will be season two, you never know and and I won't spoil anything further, all right. Other things that jumped out uh really liked the nightclub. the live yes. music that they had was beautiful, so, yeah, uh, it reminded me of of growing up with my stepfather with with you know he was big fan of moantown and and everything and rick james and and it was like I thought of him,
0: yeah, um, watching those scenes. Well, and I think, you know, TV, and I'm sure I'm not an expert on TV and music and anything, but like Shonda Rhimes, I still love Grey's Anatomy, even after all these years. And they always do a fantastic job with the music and like the music can add so much. And again, it's not just, yes, anyone, you can have the dramatic swells or the sad music, but just picking these songs that somehow fit the mood and I mean yeah the lush amazing performances it is just beautiful and it's kind of godfather-esque in a way too right it reminds me of the whole you instead of the baptism and the firing of people shooting at people you kind of have the, you know these great nightclub scenes and this fantastic music interspersed with this other kind of much darker activity and I just love it
1: agreed and yeah it was Harlem's a character in the story and I've never I haven't been there I, I've been to Manhattan uh, I've been to Brooklyn um, I might have driven through part of Harlem uh, for a meeting but I, I haven't like gone there but it felt like a character yeah and friends who are New Yorkers uh, who know it well you know have described it as such yeah uh, I really love Luke Cage yeah he, the comic character of him is of a hothead at times. And, uh, and that's the way the character was, at least in the 80s. Yeah. When you get to the new Avengers and now the current Power Man and Iron Fist series, he, he's a little older. He's a dad. Uh, oh. Jessica Jones, who you know, he's married to and they have a daughter.
0: Oh that's awesome! I want to yeah. see that series
1: yeah yeah M- won't won't spoil that s- that series but it, it's great <laughs> she She got frustrated with Luke swearing, so he switches to saying things like "Sweet Christmas instead of swearing or fiddle Faddle <laughs> and the comic's hysterical and they the the relationship and close friendship between Luke and Danny Rand, who is Iron Fist, is very well done. And I'm really looking forward to the chemistry of, of those actors to see if they're able to capture what was in the Heroes for Hire comic because that was one of those neat high points of comics in the 80s where those two characters working together. And you know, the, the final issue still, still is haunting yeah. with the way Danny dies. And Luke is f- blamed for it. Oh! And so it like they have a public fight. Uh, there is a kid who can turn into because cosmic rays, comics, we just call it comics. This little kid can turn into Captain Hero.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, the kid's sick because of his powers. So they go all out trying to save them. You have the Avengers, you have Hank Pym, you have Mr. Fantastic, and they think about the original Captain Marvel's Nega Bands and go like, okay, maybe we can recreate something like that to help keep this kid alive. And while they're trying to save the kid, Danny is there in the hospital room holding the kid's hands and using his own chi, his own life force to try to stabilize the kid and keep him alive, and he does that for days. Oh. And so the kid's saved. Everyone passes out. Danny's super exhausted. Luke, who had fought a bad guy, is, like, sleeping on a chair outside. The kid wakes up. He's in pain. He takes off the bands. He turns into Captain Hero and beats Danny to death, trying to wake him up. Whoa. Yeah. And so... Luke is getting ramrodded by the DA for this, saying it was obviously you, and and Luke makes a break for it. And any defense attorney would have gladly have defended Luke on that because there are so many rules of evidence to fight on so many levels. And you know, the comic ends with Luke in hiding, like sitting on, like looking out over the ocean. And and Misty finds them and, and says, you know, like I, I loved him too. And in the final panel is of Luke's sad face saying Christmas. Oh amazing. Now, granted, they resurrect Danny years later. Yeah. And John Burns run on Namer about the submariner. And that's another another story because Danny's now alive and well. But as a kid, reading that, it's like gut punch. Absolutely. Yeah absolute gut punch so i'm excited for the future if we're able to see that relationship and i I have faith in the actors Uh, i watched the the facebook live event that they did uh, where the different actors from jessica jones daredevil and iron fist all facetime in yeah and so it's like okay i'm cautiously optimistic that this could be really cool really groovy so great series, really enjoyed it. Uh, lots of great homages to the comics. Good uh, uh, Luke's hoodie, which has the yellow in it, is a nice, uh-huh. nice homage to the original comic book character's outfit, which you'll see a nice tease of that in episode four. Okay, which, which I was like, yay! And just clapping like a, like a happy four year old because they do a really nice job as a little reference to it so but there's lots of neat stuff like that and the color yellow is luke's color so they, they have some fun That's good color it. i love it's yellow a, it's a strong color so yes so uh the other thing the fact that pop calls luke power man is yeah great. um because that that is a superhero name so yeah regardless i strongly recommend it oh yeah the I won't give away anything else. So I said watch it and pick up the current series. It's really fun. And so highly, highly recommend it.
0: Well, and I will hurry up and get through the rest of the episodes so that Josh and I can do part two of a Luke Cage podcast and talk about the rest of the legal issues um, and uh, maybe all the other great stuff that unveils itself here in the rest of season one. But uh, yeah, thanks to Marvel and Netflix for another great superhero series.
1: Much obliged. So everyone, keep reading Marvel Comics. Keep watching Netflix chill if you must (laughs) and stay geeky America stay geeky